0: Good morning, church. Um, So I would like to come uh, at you (laughs) this morning with a a continuation of the message that I shared last time, which is, uh, today is uh, pain. Um, After I have sat down and actually gone through the process of um, trying to understand what it is that God wants me to speak about, um, I want to add another word to the title, which is pain is. It's a, a definition. It's a way of defining a subject so that we can understand what it stands for. Even now, as you're looking at that chat uh, thread on the uh, right-hand side of your screen, what you will see is that there are prayer requests. And in all of those prayer requests, what you see is that um, they speak to a condition. It speaks to a certain level of pain. Uh, And that's what I want to speak about today uh, because I think it's important for us to understand pain, how to frame it, how to uh, contextualize it, and how to define it for yourself so you can understand what it is about and why it happens and how does it help you to move forward. A lot of us feel pain. Um, I have only come to the realization that I don't understand pain. I um, perceive pain perhaps very differently than a lot of other people. And I only come to this realization because of my experience with my daughter. Um, Sometimes I'm kinda happy that she exhibited certain behavior, but all the time it caused me to be concerned. Uh, Why do I say this? I say this is because um, when she goes to the doctor, when she gets shot, she doesn't cry. Um, And at the very beginning, I was like, hey, that's great. She doesn't, you know, she's not screaming like other kids. Like other kids would come in, get their shot, and they'd be wailing for like, you know, a long time. And uh, all Nora does is that she's scared of strangers, so she cry when the stranger's in the room, but as soon as, you know, the nurse or the doctor leave, she's fine. So um, I kind of think about it and I think about it and I say, hey, I'm kind of s- similar to that. I don't experience intense pain. I don't understand what it is to know pain. Uh, I remember when I was younger and uh, we were playing in, in the front yard of the house and I had fallen over, I, I slipped on a, on a peel of a fruit and my face went slamming down on a, on a metal pole that was sticking out of the ground, and it's, uh, it kind of cut the inside of my lip. And I don't know what my mother saw, but she was like crying and screaming because you know apparently it looks really bad. I had some stitches done, and uh, what I recall, they told me was that I didn't cry. I didn't experience pain. Or perhaps this is what God is trying to tell me, is that each one of us perceive pain very differently. Why is pain important? How do we understand pain? How do we contextualize pain? Why do we want to talk about it? Um, the way that God has sort of shown me all of these things is that, like I was saying, is that as I was running or as I was trying to run, I go through my, my iteration of pain is weakness leaving body. And I stop at the point where I said pain is because I understand. I, at that particular point, I froze, I stop, and I say, I don't understand what pain is. Pain is, is it just feeling? Is it just something that you experience? Is it just something that you feel? Is it chronic, meaning does it last for a very long time? Or is it sharp and instantaneous and acute, meaning that it just happens and then it goes away? I think that pain is four-dimensional. It has depth to it, how much pain you feel. It has a size to it, how big does it feel? Is it all-encompassing? Is it paralyzing? And how long does it feel? You know, is it days, months, weeks? For example, you can be sitting here and you're saying, it's so painful because I have to listen to this, right? My ears hurt, right? And when I stop speaking, it stops hurting because it's caused by a source. Perhaps you may be sitting here and you say, my pain is that I want to sleep, but I have to keep my eyes open, right? So there are many kind of different levels of pain. There are many different types of pain. So how do we contextualize it? We, I think about pain as something like this, and I'll go through a few examples to see whether or not um, you know, I, I, I can um, sort of explain this. Pain is a border, pain is a limiter, pain is a boundary, okay? You're like, what does that mean? For example, if you have a whole piece of skin, right? And there is a knife that cuts it apart, right? You say, I feel pain. Because why? Because now there is a border. There is an incision, there is something that opened. There's a chasm that has been opened. There is a separation, an event that has just occurred that separates something that was once whole into now something that is no longer whole. Okay? So you feel pain because of that separation. Now we apply the same idea to something else. When two people are married, right, they come together to form a union, something occurs that tears them apart that doesn't cause, I'm sorry, that may cause physical pain, but more so it causes emotional pain, it causes spiritual pain, it, it, it causes, that tearing apart causes the pain. And whatever it is that caused that, that separation to heal, then that pain goes away. It goes along with every relationship that we have. The reason why this whole pandemic feels more painful emotionally, spiritually, uh, conceptually, even though you, you're like, I shouldn't feel discomfort because I'm comfortable, right? But somehow you feel a little bit of, a, of, of whatever it is. I, I would like to call it pain. It is because you're being torn apart from what you associate with. I'm being torn away from my relationships. I'm being torn away from people that I sh- normally would interact with. I'm torn away from, you know, the, 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 um, the barista at Starbucks, even though I, I don't really care about the drinks. Maybe it's, it's not Starbucks, maybe it's uh, boba drinks or milk tea or whatever it is. You're being torn away from those relationships. It's not like I miss the milk tea. It is uh, I miss the interactions with those people that, that, that I come into co- contact with. I'm being torn away from my friends. I'm being torn away from my family, my loved one. I, I, I don't want to use someone else's pain to, to illustrate this, but I think that if you were to read Larry's uh, prayer request, you see there is a separation, right? The separation here is that he is 2,000 miles away from where he wants to be. Pain comes about because we experience that separation. And the deeper that separation, the further that separation, the greater the pain that we feel. So I would encourage you to think about how we perceive pain, how it causes us to feel. What causes us to feel the pain? And think about where that gap occur. For example, um, if you were to open up your Bible in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, this is when David is talking about a particular instance in his life where he experienced pain. right? And he's talking about his uh, newborn child. Uh, who is about who has passed away and he said why should i go on fasting shall i bring him back from the dead because i will go to him but he will never return to me it speaks to a certain level of pain that we all kind of understand that we all conceptualize that we, we, we feel a lot of pain when someone we love passes away because why? They may be laying right there in front of us, but that relationship that we have with that person is completely and devastatingly severed forever. We can go to them and we can speak to them, but they will never respond to us. We understand that human, we use this sort of silence treatment to punish other people a lot. When, you know, you don't like what your parents have to say to you, what do you do? you turn away and you don't talk to them anymore. You give them the silent treatment, why? Because even though you don't know that it's causing them, or maybe it is intentional, but we feel a certain pain when someone shuts us out. When you like a certain girl and you approach her and she acts like you don't exist, there is that gap and that causes pain. See, again, I want to reiterate the fact that I, I'm not like most people. I don't know this for sure, but I'm not like most people. Because in high school, when I ask one girl to the prom and she rejects me, I go to the next girl and ask her to the prom. And it goes on and on and on. Yes, I feel embarrassment, but I don't feel pain. It, Pain has this, why do I say that? Because there's a, a second component of pain. Pain is a limiter. It limits you when you have a torn muscle in your calf, for example, like I'm experiencing right now. I can't run. It stops you. It prevents you from doing what it is that you want to do. Pain stops you, right? The boundary between life and death is that in death, there is a boundary that it doesn't allow you to interact with people who are living. And vice versa, those who are living cannot interact with those who are dead. That is where pain exists. Pain exists at a point where you cannot cross When you hurt your arm, you are restricted in your motion and your movement. When your head hurts, it restricts you from thinking, from being conscious, from being in whatever it is that you want to think about. Because it's so overwhelming that all you can do is to think about it. It limits you. That's why I want to define pain as something of a separation. That there is a boundary that has been drawn. It is like David, what David said is that, I will go to him, but he will never return to me. There is a complete separation, right? It's like, you know, when two people who are married in a union because of love and whatever it is that causes that rift to tear them apart, it causes pain. When we're not able to interact with other people, it causes us pain. This is why COVID-19 is so painful. You can be sitting outside a hospital in a parking lot, and they tell you you cannot go in to say your final goodbye to your mom, to your dad, to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your friends. You know that they're just right there. And the painful thing isn't just that they're sick. And the painful thing isn't that they will die. The painful thing is that you can't do anything about it. There's a border that has been set up to which you cannot cross. You cannot get to them. You cannot comfort them. You cannot interact with them. You cannot say anything to them. Even though they are there and they can hear you, you're separated and that causes pain. Now, on the flip side, as a person who's suffering, your suffering increases because you can't interact with those that you want to say your final goodbye. It intensifies everything. Pain is taken to a whole new level with COVID-19. Now, we can also think about pain as a separation when you conceptualize that there is a knee that separates the lung from the air. So the knee is the object that causes the pain because it divides the air that normally goes into the lung from the lung. When you look at those images and you want to think about, why does this feel so strange and uncomfortable for me to look at, it is that. Right? When you look at all of the events that happens around you, it is all about separation. It is all about divisions. It is all about boundaries being drawn. Black, white, brown. What matters, what doesn't matter, right? Boundaries. And boundaries causes pain. When we see borders, it causes pain. When we see a fence being put up, that causes pain. When we see children being separated from their parents, it causes pain. We may, I sit back and I was like, I don't understand why this is so uncomfortable for me. And that is how I perceive pain now. It is because I see the division. It is because I see the separation. It is because I see that there are boundaries to which people cannot cross. Now, I, want to, I don't want to leave you with that hopelessness of only seeing pain in life and not being able to see beyond that. Why does it exist? Does God give us a problem to which we cannot ever comprehend, understand, conceptualize, and then to think about how it brings us hope? I don't think so. This message, after all, is about how God gives me hope. And I want to be able to verbalize that, to be able to speak about that to you. Now, there is a name to my hope, and that name is Tony Hajo. I don't know if you know this name, but I will come back and I will talk about my hero. It's not Tony, Sm- uh, what is it, Tony, Tony Stark, right, right? Who, Tony Stark is, um, is uh, Iron Man, I think, right? Okay, right, not that guy, but this guy is Tony, yeah, Tony Hajim, okay. I want to be able to talk a little, a little bit more about what God's saying. I want to be able to speak about what it is that the Bible says, how the Bible encourages us, how the Bible brings us hope and then to be able to come back and speak about why pain is important and how pain gives us hope, okay? So please bear with me. I know this is very painful. Maybe I don't know, I'm speaking about how painful it is. I'm not experiencing it, why? Because I'm the one who's speaking and you are the one who is experiencing the pain. So again, there's a separation between me causing pain and you feeling that pain, okay? So I, 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 I do hope that um, this will lessen your pain somewhat. There is a story in the Bible in John chapter 9. This story is about a man who was born uh, blind at birth. And the, the disciple of Jesus came to Jesus and said, whose sin is it that causes this man to be blind from birth? Is it his parents or is it his sins that causes him to be blind? Now, we all know this story and we all know how this goes. And what we know is that in this, the entirety of the chapter talks about this one man. Jesus healed him. Right, My name came from this story. Uh, this is why the story is sort of internalized in my mind. My name, my Vietnamese name actually came from this story, according to my mother. Uh, I don't know how much of that is, you know. But she said that, you know, my name came from it. So I, I, I think about it um, occasionally. So I, I want to skip over the entirety of the first part of the story. I just want to go through the end. The end is where he was speaking to the Pharisees. They, they brought him back. The first, they brought him in the first time and they, they brought him the second time to ask him whether or not Jesus had healed him. They couldn't believe that Jesus had healed him of his blindness. They brought in his parents to confirm that this is their child. And the parents came in and said, yeah, this is my child. He was born blind and that this particular person here named Jesus had healed him. And he is now able to see. And, you know, this is my, my kid. Um, this is not a fraud. This is not fake. Um, anyways, and so the Pharisees said, how can it be that a sinful man, is able to do this. They think that Jesus was sinful. And so they said, God only listens to those who are righteous. God does not listen to those who are sinners. And so um, uh, so the, the interaction goes back and forth. And I want to open toward the end. If you have your Bible, please open with me. I don't have it memorized, so I'm going to have to pull it up. Um, so John chapter 9. Bear with me here. Uh, Matthew, Mark, John chapter 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9. See, this is very painful. And um, I want to go toward the end here. And I want you to uh, um, to look with me here. Uh, in verse um, in verse number 34. This is how I think society sort of it deals with people who are uh, different or who have a uh, perspective that we don't agree with. Okay? So uh, let's look back a little bit for, uh, um, beyond that to give it context in verse number 30. The man answered, now that is remarkable, you don't know where he came from, yet he opened my eyes. This is the blind man. The man answered, now that is remarkable, you don't know where he came from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is how the Pharisee responds to him in verse number 34. To this they reply, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. This is how we cause each other pain. We cause each other pain by casting a person out amongst our midst. We cause people pain by turning away from them, by silencing their voice, by saying, I don't acknowledge you, you don't exist because you don't matter. That's how we are able to cause someone else's pain. We know it, society knows it. When someone does something wrong, what do we do? We put them into prison. separate them from the rest of society say you've done something bad now you go and be segregated be separated be isolated because that isolation gives you pain we know that we conceptualize that when a kid does something bad you what do you do you're grounded why you're separating that kid from where they want to be we're in pain when we are at a job why because we see where we can be and our company tells you you're not here you're here we're being separated from where we want to be positionally monetarily whatever it is there is that separation between where we want to be and where where we actually at. and that separation is what causes us pain and discomfort when we like somebody and they don't like us back it's like they're on a different plane than where we are and between them there is a chasm called i don't like you and that causes us pain. Correct? Similar, similarly here, when they cast this man out of the temple, they're saying, we reject you. We reject everything about you. And, and you, you look back at the very beginning of this. It's, they said, you were steeped in sin. If you look at the beginning of this, and you look at the way how Jesus views this man, you see that there is a huge difference between how God sees us versus how people sees us. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 1, uh, this is what it says. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that, may, that he was born blind? In verse 3, Jesus said in red, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This is how different people see things versus how God sees things. Look at the reason why Jesus says this. Neither this man nor his parents sin, Jesus said, but this happens so that the work of God might be displayed in him. Everything that we go through, the discomfort that we go through, the pain that we experience, the things that we go through and we feel discomfort in, I believe that God uses those things to help us see his glory. Now, I don't understand again I don't understand the word glory I don't understand the word glory as much as I don't understand the word pain meaning that I kind of get what it sort of say but glory is that a halo I don't have no halo I don't see anybody with halo right so we kind of have an inkling of what things mean but we don't really conceptualize we don't really have a frame of what it actually defines and so I want to I, I want to go back and redefine everything for myself so that I really truly understand it and so To me, what glory is, is to see God's hand in our lives. To see God's existence and care that we matter to God. That this pain that I'm going through is not meaningless. That the things that I'm experiencing has purpose. That I don't just exist like everything else exists, only to be wasted away that somehow does mean something, right? Um, If you have your Bible, if you can open to Luke uh, chapter 16, uh, the beginning uh, in verse number 19. Wow, time runs, time really flies. Uh, this is a story about Lazarus and a rich man. We all know the story already. Here again, I just want to really go quickly through this illustration so that you can see that pain exists within that separation. There is a boundary between where we are at and where we want to be. And this story speaks to that a little bit more. Every single story in the Bible speaks about some aspect of pain, if you really want to think about it that way. Um, so I'll, I'll just read through with you. Uh, starting with verse number 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. One side of the border, America. This is going to sound really bad. As his gate was laid, a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sore and longing, painfully wanting to eat what fell from rich man's table. Even dogs came and licked his sore. That last part right there, meaning that dogs is able to come and do what they want, and he cannot. So it tells you that even the animals are capable of doing what they want, and Lazarus cannot. It's it's like, it's defining to you how lowly he is. He is not capable of getting whatever it is that he's looking to do. He wants only one thing, which is to eat the crumbs that falls off the table, and he can't do that. And the the dogs can come and lick him as they like. Dogs did not experience pain. The only person here that experienced pain is Lazarus. Pain is a boundary between what you want and what you don't have. If you think about it that way, isn't that what everything around you is all about? You look and you see what everybody else has. As I run, I see everybody else have a house, nice front yard lawn, right? Cars, backyard, front yard, pool, laughter, everything. And as I'm running through, I realize this, what everybody else has and how much I don't have. Yeah? And that causes us the discomfort that we feel. It is because we realize, why is it so different between me and someone else? What is so different between me having nothing and someone else who have everything? And it is even worse when you look on Instagram and you see people who live in, in complete luxury, like their houses are like resorts, like there's a whole island. They don't like just have a swimming pool, they have an ocean, right? It's not like they have a front lawn. No, they have a national park. It's world, it's night and day between what people have and what I don't have. And as you dwell on what I don't have, the pain becomes more intense. That person have that new gadget, that new watch, that new phone. Whatever it is that they have intensifies what you don't have. The more that they post, the food that they eat, the things that they take pictures of tell you what you don't have in front of you, right? Isn't that what conceptually the picture does? When someone takes a picture of something, it's because it's right there in front of them, and you know what's going to happen after they take that picture, It's going to go into their mouth and they're going to enjoy it. And all you can do is you sit there and you look at the picture and you say, I cannot enjoy it. It's not even in front of me, yet it is in front of me. It is so close to me. I can see it. I can almost smell it. I can almost taste it. But it's so far from me. I cannot reach it. I cannot enjoy it. And that brings you pain. That is what it is. Right? You don't like it because it is so close. And yet it is so far. From you. That's pain. Now, going back to the story about Lazarus, okay? Verse number 22, the table flips now. The time came when the beggar dies, and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades. There was a tor in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, "Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water to cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire." See, here's the thing again, right? It's like it's like a cruel joke. It's like, here is Lazarus, right, sitting beside Abraham, and he has water around him, and he's in total comfort, and here's this guy in the midst of this really heart raging agony, and he's just wanting that one drop of water on his tongue. He can't get it. That is pain. Pain is where you see what you can have, but it is so far away that you cannot reach it. It is even worse when it is just a hand reach out, and yet you can't touch it. It is much more agonizing when it is so close and you can't reach it, right? It is like there is a person that you care about, that you love, that lays right there in front of you, and you want to express everything to that person and have them acknowledge your affection toward them, but they do not, cannot ever listen to what you're saying. They can never comfort you, even though they're laying right there. That is death, and that is why it's so painful. It is because we know intuitively, conceptually, that they are separated from us. Pain is a border, a separation, through which we cannot cross. And herein is an example between Lazarus and this rich man. It's painful in, in both cases. You see the restriction, you see the emotion, you see that border between rich and poor, the ur to which we were talking about last time. For everything that is faster, there is a slower, there's a border. For everything that is prettier and an uglier, there is a border. Right? So the ur er allows us to see the boundary. Please open with me. Let me just go through the story. Uh, I have uh, the message is running very long. Um, let me go through this illustration. Now, we all know about the story of Joseph in, uh, in Genesis chapter 37. Okay? Joseph, age 17. Hated by his brothers, why? Because he was treated differently by his father. The inequitable treatment by the father causes the rift in this family, where the brothers hated Joseph, right? They see everything that he has as something that they don't have. He has a nice long sleeve coat with multicolor as something that representative of what they don't have. So number one, what did they do? They threw him into a pit. Right? Again, being casted out, drawing that border to be very discreet. At first, it's just giving him treatment, certain, treatment, certain words to be able to separate him. Don't come near me. Right? And then that escalated to throwing him into a ditch. Right? Now, there on top, he's in a ditch on the bottom somewhere. Again, that, that gap is getting wider and wider. Then they pulled him out and sold him into slavery. He and he went into Egypt. Now, he is really separated slave versus free many levels of separation here and we can see that pain is caused when we are dividing pain is caused when we are segregating pain is caused when we are telling someone to go away to push them away i want to come back and talk about tony hudgel this is this is a, uh, a a boy he lives in kent england the first time that we hear of his name is back in February 2018. It came about because he, uh, as a six-week-old baby, he suffered um, eight fractures in his body and he lost hearing in one of his ears and that he was graying and foaming at the mouth when uh, they, uh, they discovered him. The reason why he went through all of that, and of course the moment that you hear about him, right, you instantly feel pain. You feel like this boy suffered a lot. And you, feel, and you feel pain. Now, uh, we hear about uh, Tony back in 2018, uh, February 2018, and uh, you get the sense of the story that his parents, uh, one person is about 25, the other one person is about uh, 46. They abuse him, um, and in the court document it's, it says, it, there are certain parts in there that says, there has to be a, an intense and abrupt twisting to be able to cause some of these injuries on a six-week-old baby, okay? We don't know why this happened, right? Again, coming back to the story, who sinned? Society as a whole, we know whose sin causes this pain, right? We know, we know. So it's a little bit more clear-cut than in the case of, of, of the blind man. And we see that, we hear that, and we kind of comprehend the pain a little bit, okay? In June, 2020, so roughly about two years later, we hear told about Tony again. He had both of his legs amputated. Um, he has been adopted. Um, he is actually walking on prosthetics, fake legs, with walkers uh, on his arm. And what he did was that he walked like that for, I think it was 10 kilometers over the course of 30 days. Why did he do this? He did this because he wanted to raise 500 British pound, roughly about $700, for the hospital that had treated him. Why did he do this? My wife and I had a conversation about this, okay? She said that um, I'm too emotional, that I should probably think about psychological help for being emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, I told myself many, many times, I, I, I think I got a little bit further than I uh, normally would have. Um, but anyways, why did he do it? He wanted to be able to give back to the hospital, the place that I had given him an opportunity to, um, to be okay. Pain can stop us, yes. Pain should never stop us completely. Um, And this is why um, it is so important for us, for me to experience this, to be able to think about this. And I I believe that God brought this um, to me so that I understand, that I can uh, think about, you know, what it means, pain, what it means. You know, for me and you, we feel a certain pain, like, I know that my legs will heal. I know this even when it was hurting. first I pulled my left calf muscle and of course it healed and I started running again. And then now I pulled my right calf muscle. Yeah, it will heal, the pain will stop. Took me six weeks, but it will stop. Um, the, the thing that I, I, I want to um, verbalize here is that, you know, after I pulled my left calf muscle and I started running again, my time, my, my um, minute per kilometer improved by one minute. I was running one minute faster after I pulled my leg muscle. So I knew that pain stops. But after the pain subsides, after whatever it is that causes that pain, you will become stronger. That's why I believe in that message. Pain is weakness leaving your body. Pain is that thing that stops you momentarily, but it will make you stronger. Okay, But I I want to come back to... What does it all mean for me spiritually? It's not just about Tony Hajjo. It's not just about the tears that you see It's not just about talking about pain and what it means and how to frame it and so on and so forth What pain shows you is this is that when God created mankind He breathed into us his breath a part of him is inside of us and for Every moment that his breath is separated from him. We will feel pain We will feel a lack of completeness in our existence. We will always be longing for something to fill that hole. And we go out and we try to fill it with whatever it is that we want to. But we will never be able to cross over. We were never able to get that pain to subside because it has been torn apart. We have been rendered apart from our source of life. Our breath is separated from God. And for every moment that that breath is separated from God, you will feel spiritual pain. And how does that exhibit itself? It exhibits itself in you wanting things, in you desiring things that can never gratify and satisfy you. You will always be looking for something to comfort you. You will always be going to something that is so dead that it can never give you comfort. You will always be approaching things that it will never return to you. You will think that devices will give you happiness, but it never does. You will think that people will give you happiness, and they don't. You will think that material things will give you happiness, and it doesn't. What does give this little boy happiness? is the fact that he can overcome whatever it is, whatever pain has been brought upon him, not by his sin. If anybody were to say that it is that baby's fault, uh, six weeks old, why is that eight fractures occur on his body? I can't understand why you would say that. I can't understand why you would think that. Similarly, the pain that you are feeling internally, spiritually, emotionally, Cannot ever be be smooth, can never be quenched until you understand where the source of that pain came from. You have been rent and separated and segregated from the source of that breath, which is God. And until you find yourself in the presence of the one who gave you that breath, you are still apart from it. And you cannot find comfort. You cannot stop that pain. You cannot stop that wanting. There is no food in this world that will take away that pain. When Cain killed Abel, he thought he killed his pain. He didn't. Every single time we do something that we thought would take away the things that make us feel uncomfortable, guess what? It didn't. Some people might say, I will feel better when I graduate. You won't. I've been there You would say, when I have a certain amount of money, I'll be happy. You won't. Because there will be more money that you want. When you have a certain car, you think, if only I have that, I'll be happy. No, you won't. You get a Tesla, you won't be happy. I have nothing against Tesla, but it's just on top of my mind. Why? Because I'm in pain. (laughs) You know what I mean. It won't, it won't ever. None of these things will 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 soothe your pain, because there is a fundamental thing that happened. As long as you are being rent and separated and segregated from the source of your life, the breath that you breathe, you always be in pain, whether you perceive it, whether you feel it, whether you understand it, you always feel it. But Tony, what he does for me, what he tells me through his experience and through his life, is that. When you overcome that pain, when you don't allow the things that hurt you, when you continue to move forward, I am telling you right now that finding God, looking for him, ain't walking apart. It is a continual seeking. It is a process to which you have to really work at. It is a designating a large portion of your life to seeking him out. I don't do it every day. Uh, it's not because I stand here and I speak about this that I understand, that I have a, a really, you know, that, that God is my, you know, my bro, and you know, he's like super tight, I'm, I'm super tight with him, you know, I'm like we're like this, no. I understand pain because I'm still separated from him. And I know that nothing in this world will ever quench that pain until I get closer. The closer I get to him, the more I am understanding of why things happen. The more things in my life make sense. The things that allows me to understand, conceptualize, and internalize the pain to see how I can move beyond it. I need to get closer to God so that I will want less. You see, Tony Hodges tells me that. He didn't want it for himself. He doesn't want anything for himself. And he's being inspired from a generation after generation of people who don't want things for themselves. And that is, to me, the key. The more that you look at yourself and the more that you want things for this thing here, because you think that it will take away whatever it is that you are lacking. The more that you focus on this, the more in pain you will be. The more pictures you will see of what you don't have. The more of the realities of what you see that you don't have. The relationships that you don't have. The properties the material things that you don't have. So my thing is, once you fix your mind and you gaze upon God and you see where you need to go, where you need to come back to, where you need that healing, where you need that closeness, where you need that patching over of a relationship, once you make that right, once you get close enough to God, the healing will begin. I see that God's glory is exhibited in this five-year-old boy, because in him shows me God's glory. That pain does not exist in this boy for nothing. I learned something from him. You, hopefully, have learned something from him. That we understand pain on a different level. That so long as we are separated from God, the pain will continue in every facet of your life. You will see the lacking in everything that you don't have. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the examples. We thank you, Lord, for the things that other people have to go through to give us understanding of the world to which you have placed us. We pray that you would allow each one of us to comprehend, to understand the separation that we have with you, Lord God. I pray that as we walk out of here that we can see, understand the gap between where we are at and where you are at. That we will be able to see how Jesus, how Jesus talks about people. That everything that we go through is for your glory. That everything that we go through allows us to see how far we are from you. That nothing in this life gratifies us. That nothing in this life will satisfy us. But God, allow us to come closer to you. Allow us to bring ourselves to you. Allow us to bring our breath back to its source. Lord God, I pray that you will allow us to be comforted, allow us to come back to you, Lord God, that every single pain that we go through draws us closer to you. Allow us to feel every pain that we go through and allow us to be reminded that we need to come back to you. Lord God, every discomfort that we experience, Lord God, allow us to take that as a reminder for us to come back to you. Allow us to go through trials and the tribulations and the separations. And the things that makes us feel uncomfortable, Lord God, as reminders for us to continuously go back to you. Every single day, every single moment, every single second, Lord God, allows us to be reminded that we are never comforted outside of your warm embrace. Lord God, I pray that you will allow us to come to you. Allow us to knock upon your doors, knock upon the gate of heaven, and have it open to us, Lord God. I pray that you would comfort us, that you will draw us closer. That each one of our breaths, Lord God, reminds us that we we have come from you and we, we need to return to you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, and I pray in the name of Jesus.